Radio Network. You are with Sarah at Positive Living Vibrations. And today I have Faciel Kahatka. Oh, I'm, no, I'm spelling this, sending this wrong. I'm not even going to attempt the name. It's AKA Big Dog and his dynamic anti-bullying speaking and, uh, certification coaching that he does. He is an alumni of the Baron Mastery uh, Authentic Speakers Academy of Leadership. He's also a licensed practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, a certified hypnotherapist, and he better not try that on me today, <laughs> author of an upcoming book called The Bullying Mind. He was a victim of bullying himself as a child, and he wants to put a stop to bullying once and for all and help those kids who feel the same way as he did as a child in Pakistan when he was bullied and molested at the age of five, which no child ever anywhere in the world should ever have to go through. He lost his confidence and his voice, and he desperately wished he had someone to talk to. But there was no one, and he had um, to help him, and he had to continued being bullied all through his school years. And at that time, really, bullying was not a big thing, and people didn't pay too much attention to it. And uh, the highlight is on it now, folks. We're going to make sure that it is very much addressed today. Uh, Fasiel wants to be the voice of all those kids who are raped and teased every day. He feels strongly that no child has to feel helpless or alone, and he learned the hard way how important it is to build bridges and repair any gaps or disconnections in communication between parents and their children, and how he actively is helping families face um, facing the bullying today. He lives with his wife and two daughters in Westminster, British Columbia, just around the corner from me. And he previously lived in Oklahoma, where he studied computer sciences and opened and operated several successful small businesses. So today we're going to tackle the bullying, the bullier, uh, the bullied, uh, and where bullying comes from on its core, not the symptom, the core reason for it, because it is epidemic today. And um, we hear all the time of kids going into schools and shooting people, blowing things up, and it generally comes down to that lack of self-esteem, having been bullied, that makes it no excuse to do what they do. But if we get down to the core of it, we have a better understanding of why they do it. So without any further ado, hello, my dear. How are you today? Thank you, Sarah. That was um, a really, really impressive introduction. And I know I can feel it that you are hypnotized. <laughs> um, first of all, I thank you for um, bringing me um, to your show and let me share my message with your audience. And I know my message will help a lot of people out there who are either facing um, this epidemic of bullying or they have someone in their lives who is faced with this epidemic. So thank you very much again. Oh, my pleasure. And it really has become an epidemic. It is something that um, in every member of the family, there's somebody being bullied. And, and, you know, let's let's talk to the core of the family. What is bullying? And, you know, let's really look to uh, dissecting what bullying is, because, uh, you know, you went through the absolute extreme of bullying, which was really abuse. Um, but the bullying can go anything from people, uh, you know, yelling at their kids. Um, you know, um, I own you, um, you will do as I tell you, um, you know, shouting and yelling at them right up to a physical abuse. So how about let's understand the dynamics of bullying in the first place? Yeah, actually, uh, you explained it very well. Um, in the family dynamics, uh, bullying can be in different shapes or forms. Just like you said, it could be very subtle um, parents giving their kids different messages. You can never do things right. You always have to listen to me. And and to people, it might not seem bullying, but if it is repeated day in and day out, it is a form of bullying. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is emotional bullying. If, if you don't do things the way I tell you to do, I won't love you or um, I won't give you attention or importance. So that falls under the emotional bullying. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes it could get out of hands and it becomes physical bullying, um, beating their kids and 
and that's what I saw in my life too when I was young. So there were mm. there were lots of beatings, and that is the worst form of bullying. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, emotional. I mean, it stays it scars. It's always there, but the physical. You know, then you're actually dealing with the body abuse as well. And and a home is meant to be a sanctuary, isn't it? It you're, is. You're meant to be safe there. And if you're not safe in your own home, where are you safe? Exactly. Like home for a child, for let's say four or five year old child. Home is the place where they learn everything from their parents, good or bad, whatever. And that's the place where they feel safety. I mean, they go to schools and schools are pretty much safe too, but at the end of the day, they come back to their homes, and that's where every child feels safety, and it, it is just like a nest for them. Mm-hmm. And it is it is supposed to be safe. Yes, it is. It's meant to be the one place you can take home and say anything, and you know, take your worries and your woes too. And your family is meant to be there, loving and nurturing and and, and helping you. But let's talk to generations. Um, you know, I'm clearly a great deal older than you, but even in your generation, and coming from, um, you were born in Pakistan. Yes, I was born in Pakistan. So, you know, you look at the the basic, um, as they say, you know, bullying is highlighted today. It's a spotlight now. And uh, we're seeing more and more of it. But really, it's not something that's new. And I think that the bullying that we received back when we were young wasn't considered bullying. It was actually considered parenting, you know, uh, and it, it, nobody really actually understood the damage that it did to a child. I think until those children grew up and decided that it did damage and wanted to change things. So you have to look at the culture. Also, you have to look at the times. Exactly. It's it's so true. Uh, back in the days, like bullying has been there forever. Um, mm-hmm. It just changed its shape. Uh, nowadays, it's because of media that we hear more stories and all that. But uh, especially in third world, world countries, I would say there is more bullying going on day in and day out, especially in the families because because of the culture. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of the culture, it is a norm for all the families to emotionally, physically, verbally abuse their kids because that's what they learned from their parents mm-hmm. and then their grandparents and so on and so forth. As, and it is just a vicious vicious cycle which goes on. And I would say that most of the times, parents don't even know they are bullying. Exactly. Be- because they think this is the way it is. That's the way they were brought up and mm-hmm. that's the way they are supposed to uh, bring up their children. So... The question is, is how do we show them that what they're doing is bullying and how do we cut that cycle? How do we change it? Because, you know, you're talking to the kids and yes, they want, they want to stop the bullying. But how do you talk to the parent? That's a great question. Um, one thing I know is we cannot, especially let's say I cannot change a person. Unless and until that person wants to change. Mm-hmm. So first thing is the realization. If that parent does not realize that he or she is bullying um, their child, there's no one who can change them around. Yeah. First, it has to come from that parent, the realization that that I might be the one who is uh, causing trouble and causing pain for my own child. So once that comes out, then it's really easy to change because then that person wants to change from inside. And I think also for a parent who kind of was brought up in a traditional way or, you know, just as you say, that constant repetitive cycle, you know, once you realize that what you're doing is actually bullying, don't beat yourself up about it. Just recognize the pattern and be willing to change it, you know, because you learned that pattern. So, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. You learned that pattern. You're just repeating what you know. Now you know better. It's like with smoking. We know smoking is bad for you. It's on everything. You've got no excuse now. You pick up that cigarette. That's your choice. Uh, We know bullying is detrimental. We know that it can lead to deaths and suicide and many other things. Um, We know that. So now you've got no excuse. You need to address it and you need to understand what you're doing is bullying and make that choice to change it. So it comes down to forget about the denial, take some ownership. That's that's 100% true. And um, I would admit that I was part of it. I have two daughters, uh, 7 and 10. And I would say up, up until two years ago, 
I was doing the same thing, uh, not verbally or phys- physically. It, uh, well, okay, verbally, I would say not physically. Right. I was doing the same thing to my kids. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, just simple things. Um, finish your meal. You cannot get up until you finish your meal. Now, that is like if it is repeatedly done every day, it, that becomes bullying. That poor child might not even like that food. But I'm mm-hmm. just pushing the kid to finish the food because that's what I learned from my parents. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that not until about two years ago when I started working on myself and started seeing what was I doing to my kids. And I just realized it was the same thing I saw in my life. Yeah. And I wasn't happy at that time. So why am I doing the same thing to my kids? And when we become parents, we say we're never going to bring our kids up the way we were brought up. Yeah. We're not going to repeat that pattern. Exactly. And, you know, just as uh, with, with marrying, you know, people that were abusive to you, I married my father mm-hmm. and he was verbally abusive to my mother. Mm-hmm. And I married, you know, the, the, the quintessential was same. And I didn't intend to. I went out to make sure I didn't. But what mm-hmm. happened? I fell into that pattern. And, uh, you know, we again, if we don't recognize what the core pattern is, we don't realize that we're repeating it. Just because it has a different look doesn't mean it's not the same thing. Exactly. It's like uh, I also do um, seminars, anti-bullying seminars. Mm-hmm. And every time it's not a surprise for me anymore at the end of the seminar, uh, because I really go deep into how the, how families uh, might be contributing to bullying. So these parents, they come up to me at the end and they're like, thank you, Fessel. I just realized there were a few things I, were, I was doing unknowingly, subconsciously to my child. And I did not even know that was bullying. And I'm, I'm going to go work on it or come back to you one-on-one, get some coaching. Uh, and, and it, it's, it's just good to know that that how parents can realize those little, little things. Um, yes. And then, and then this, take that ownership. Yeah. Exactly. It's, yeah. And it is great. But then at the same time, there are some people who cross their hands and they're just sitting on the seat yeah. and they just don't want to realize. They just don't want to uh, admit. And that's where it, it gets really painful. I, I can see uh, that their children are suffering, but they just don't want to change. And, and nothing you can do about it. There's a, a very interesting person I met recently, which I was telling you about, who um, was bullied into bullying as a child. Like if he wasn't going to be, join the bullies, he would be bullied. And so he ended up bullying other people for the fear of being bullied himself. Forty years later, they, they went to a, re, a school reunion and one bullier uh, went up to one of the people that he bullied and apologized 40 years later. And uh, one person accepted it and the other person didn't. And the thing is, is that it's 40 years later and these mm. are all very successful people now, you know, gone on to have very fruitful lives, but they still carry that pain from that bullying. And I don't think people realize how far it carries in your psyche for the rest of your life and changes the way you do things. Exactly. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that example. You said it was after 40 years. So I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm just trying to imagine, even though from outside they had everything, they had every, everything all together, money, cars, this, mm-hmm. that. But what was going on inside their minds for all these 40 years? All this regret, shame. Yeah. That how they were in the, when they were children. And that, yeah. and that's the worst kind of, um, I don't know how to put it, but uh, it's it's very painful when it comes from inside and you don't know what to do with it. Because I think what happens and what people don't realize, it's in the scars that it leaves. You know, as, as somebody pointed out to me recently, they leave DNA scars. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the scars that it doesn't matter how much you intellectualize it, how much you, you know, verbally overcome it. They leave a, um, a trigger in there that when you see other people bullying or mm-hmm. somebody speaks in a certain tone, or somebody raises a voice in a certain way, it automatically takes you back to that bullying and you become that victim again. Even though you've overcome it, 
you know, that DNA memory is there and it triggers that and brings you right back to that moment where you suddenly become that, you know, shivering person again. And, you know, you go, oh, come on, I should overcome this by now. But you can't (laughs) if it's become on that cellular level. It will always be there. It's it's always there. And whenever I go to schools and deliver my anti-bullying speech, I give an example to um, to the students, to all these kids there. I pick up a clean sheet of paper and I just crumble it up. And then I, I just try to put it back the way it was, and it never does. Mm-hmm. I tell kids, I said, this is exactly what happens when you bully or tease another child. These are... These scars, it's the same thing, all these creases on the paper, that's how the scars are on the heart of someone, mm-hmm. of some other child, and they never go away. They stay there. They stay there in a way of some, making somebody feel insecure, you know, second-guessing themselves, feeling mm-hmm. that they're, they're not worthy of love. Exactly. Um, you know, um, I must be a bad person because I got picked on. I'm unworthy. And there's, again, it, it's really not much to do with the intellect. It's more the spirit and the heart and the soul that's damaged. Well, they pick up on this false reality. They become this victim and they Mm. just start self-sabotaging them. I call it self-bullying from inside. Just like you said, I'm not good enough. I cannot do anything Mm. right. Nobody likes me. And and then it's very detrimental to their self-esteem and confidence. Yes. And I like what your your approach to it is. We're not talking about victims. We're talking about victors. And I like that approach to it, um, as the title of the show is. And, uh, yes, you know, we when we change that psyche from being a victim and look at ourselves as victorious mm-hmm. in, in taking back our lives and being in control of our own destiny and being aware, you know, that, yes, that pain is there. It doesn't have to dictate us, but we, we're always going to be aware that it's there. But then you are victorious in the fact that you're not letting it rule you anymore. You're not letting it dictate your life. Yes. See, what happens is when we start calling um, a child a victim, the word victim robs that bullied child of mm-hmm. of their ability to fight back. It mm-hmm. makes them feel that there is uh, they're not capable of overcoming the situation, the situation of being bullied day in and day out. The word victim plays a huge part in mm-hmm. bringing down their self-esteem and confidence. And, yeah. they, and they don't see a way out. They think that's it. They're going to stay victim all their life. Yes. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's also, as, as you know, I, um, I teach personality awareness and there are certain personality traits that actually do adhere to being more um, sacrificial or, or victimized type personalities. And it's mm. so much harder for them to come out of it um, because it becomes something that almost protects. Uh, and in some cases, it becomes an excuse and a crutch for them to go through life. Well, uh, yeah, that's the only way, uh, it's the only way for them to get attention mm-hmm. and just like you said, to protect themselves. And I have been around with few victims, uh, some adults who yes. took on this identity. And you're right, it's very hard uh, for them to come out. No matter what you do, uh, how much you teach them or how much knowledge you share with them. And even if, and even they recognize it, that they have to break apart from that identity, but mm-hmm. it's really hard for them because that's what they have been doing and that was the only way they could get love, attention uh, from other people. And some it's fear-driven. Oh, exactly. Uh, you know, they're, they're too afraid to come out in case there's that, that victimizer is there to lash them and put them back down again. So you know, it can come from all sorts of areas. But ultimately, we're responsible for our own selves and our lives and, uh, you know, um, uh, once you know you are being victimized, you know, standing up and uh, defending yourself in whatever way you can. And, yes, that takes a great deal of courage to do. Of course, when you do do that and when you do stand up and take that ownership of self and that courage to embrace your own life and not become the victim and choose to be the victor, that self-empowerment is absolutely incredible. And now you feel unstoppable in anything you're going to do in life. Exactly. Um, so that's where we want to get people to be, that empowerment, that self-empowerment of being able to change the victim to the victor. Here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, what does the bully get out of it? Uh, that's a great question. Um, 
And lots of people come to me and they ask me, why? Why are these bullies? <laughs> How are they formed? Yeah. So here's the thing, just like you mentioned earlier, um, and I believe in that, there are two main emotions or feelings um, in every human being. One is love and the other is fear. And fear mm-hmm. could get into or, or morph into hate. Mm-hmm. So once a child is getting bullied by their own parents at home, it creates a fear in them. Mm-hmm. Now, there there are two things which can happen. Either they can just freeze and become victims, bullied by their parents or other kids in the school, or depending upon that child, if that child has an aggressive nature, they might start hating other human beings or other kids around them. And the only way for them to get the missing love, the love they miss in in their home from their parents and the attention they're not getting, the only way for them to get that is to go out in the school or in the playground and start bullying other kids. Mm-hmm. Because that is how they get the attention, yeah. either from teachers, from the principals, or other kids around them. And they get that um, sense of power, the power they're not getting at their homes but from their parents. So that's the main reason. A bully is always looking for attention. That's the main reason. Mm-hmm. And love, because that bully is clearly... Lacking that. And inside, a bully is always in a fear of abandonment, of loneliness. And the only way to get it is just beating up on other kids. And, you know, when you look at love and hate, it's a very fine line. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, love and hate has the same amount of energy. Um, exactly. I think actually, I think hate actually takes more energy. Uh, because in order to keep that hate powered up all the time, you know, mm-hmm. they, they become piranhas of uh, energy around them where love is more uh, sharing and expanding of energy. Um, so, you know, if you have you know, the negative and the positive, positive is always going to be something that will share. Negative is always something that's going to consume. Um, but hate can be so consuming. It is. And and uh, I think at that point you get to a point where I'm not sure some people are on the point of of return. All they know is how to hate. No, exactly. And these both feelings, love and hate, they create um, active. They're both active. They make you do things like love will make you active. It will make you do uh, things for others. It will create mm-hmm. compassion for you. And hate on the other side, again, it is active. It makes you do things. It um, it makes you. It's reactionary, exactly, mm-hmm. and it makes you uh, take out your energy in a negative way. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk to siblings. You know, you can have very loving parents who think they're doing everything right, and they're maybe not the bullies. But you've mm-hmm. got one sibling, which comes down to the insecurity or feeling they're not as loved or popular uh, or just got a very aggressive nature. You know, some people are just born that way. Um, but the parents refuse to to see that. You know, oh, it's just similarly rivalry. Oh, it's just kids being kids. But you've got one sibling terrorizing another. Exactly. Um, actually, um, there's another friend of mine. We were talking about it the other day. And matter of fact, he used to be a fierce, big bully back in the days. And now he has changed his uh, turn, turned around his life and he's helping out other kids not to become boys. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about this um, siblings. Like how come um, it happens in the same family, in the same house uh, with the same parents? And again, it comes down to what you said. It's uh, insecurity. One kid is feeling the love and the other kid, even though he's getting the same kind of same amount of love from parents, it's not good enough for that particular child. Mm -hmm. That particular child needs more love. And when that child sees the other sibling being happy uh, and okay with the love that kid is getting, it creates jealousy. Mm -hmm. And again, to uh, get more love and more attention from the parents, um, it's uh, the sibling bullying starts right there. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, um, it's hard to see and it's hard to, to combat because very often the bully, you know, just, I mean, again, is how do you actually tell a bully? I mean, an adult is one thing, you know, as you said, there's those that open their arms wide and say, thank you. I'm going to stop my ways and others cross their arms and saying, I am not a bully. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you actually address the child bully and make them see what they're doing? That it's not only detrimental to those that they're doing it, but it's detrimental to themselves. Well, it's, it is very tough. It's uh, tough to do when I'm dealing with, I by the way, I deal with both bullies and uh, victims. I That's why my website is bothsidesofbullying.com. Mm-hmm. I also believe that a bully can be turned around into a loving, caring uh, child once again. But it is very hard to make them realize what kind of effect they're having on the other kid. And the only way to make them realize is create some compassion and empathy for other kids, show them what a result could be by being them bullies. Mm-hmm. And the only way they can realize is if they can um, see the result, if they can see what can happen to other kids if they keep on bullying. It's just like one of those programs uh, on TV where they're taking the kids to jails, yeah. basically, and they show them what can happen to um, if they don't... Uh, they don't break the cycle. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so it's the same thing with bullies, because a bully does not know if he or she is right or wrong. In their mind, they're absolutely right. Whatever they're doing, it's, 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 it's just. It's a justice for them. But until and unless... They hit the rock bottom. They don't realize. And I think also what people need to understand is that witnessing bullying mm-hmm. um, is you're equally that bully if you don't do anything about it. When you see kids out there egging other kids on when somebody is being bullied and being picked on, you are just as guilty as that bullier. You are a bully by, by witness uh, because you are egging people on to fight. And you, you know, you, you get these kids, three or four of them on one, and you've got people just go fight, 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 but this kid is being beaten to a pulp. You are just as much the bully and the abuser there as the people that are doing it. Yes, the, the bystander and uh, bystanders and um that is actually bystanders are in my eyes, they are same. They are same mm-hmm. like bullies because they're not intervening. And it, it's pretty interesting. I was watching a program. Um, Darren Brown, he did an experiment uh, where he had these, these, uh, the whole audience and they were making decisions how uh, they could change the life of one person. And they were given a positive decision or a negative decision where that person could go into uh, either to uh, be handcuffed by cops or be bullied by another person. And this audience always choose chose a negative decision. Mm-hmm. That is the society we are living in. Yeah. This society, they always want to see drama and, and see the other person suffering. Even they're not directly bullying or impacting that person's life, but that's what everybody wants to see nowadays. Um, they want the, to see a train wreck. Exactly. They don't want yeah. to see the happy ending, basically. No. Uh, I call it the CNN effect. Oh, yeah, you know, CNN. It's like there's there's only a molehill there. And the next thing you know, they've got it as a volcanic eruption. And CNN know, is uh, constantly negative network. Drama, drama, drama. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest soap opera on TV. Uh, the scary thing is they take real news. And as I said, something that's just a seed, uh, you know, they've got a full crop of drama there. And it's, uh, you know, it's rather like the tabloids. You know, it's um, they're just a great huge tabloid. And the uh, worst part is that uh, our children... They see that all the time on the on the TV or in the news, even in the newspapers. What is the biggest news? It has to be the negative news. I mean, people always say to me, did you watch that in the news last night? Did you see this? Did you see that? No, I chose not to. Exactly. You know, I, I might come across the news now and again, um, you know, by accident from flipping channels. Or, you know, of course, we, we've just had the Calgary flood. So, you know, wanted to, you know, send my prayers out there and watched a bit of that. But as soon as you've got... Uh, 
somebody out there that, you know, is dramatizing something. You know, they misdrew the facts. Um, they play to the negative and the drama of it. They never portray a positive. And, you know, we need that positive. It actually, I don't know if you know this, but it takes eight positives to undo one negative. Exactly. Yes. True. You have a negative thought, you do a negative action, you've got to do eight positives to undo that one negative. And you think of how many people are living in negativity all day long. All all the time. And and then same thing, what kids watch. They watch us, parents, uh-huh. and they pick up on that negative energy. And when they go to, uh, to school, even though they might want to stop the bullying inside, mm-hmm. but they just don't because uh, they think... Watching negative um, is 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 better. Um, you know, going back to bullying in school, my daughter. I mean, I was bullied. Uh, I was an asthmatic um, growing up, and I was in boarding school in England. And uh, there was a lot of things I couldn't do physically due to my asthma. And mm-hmm. I remember uh, one weekend being because uh, I always was stayed home, stayed in school at the weekend. Most kids went home, but one time they grabbed me my, by my hair, took me outside where they had dug a dirty great big hole, and they mm-hmm. were trying to put me in that hole and bury me like a weed because I couldn't do all these physical things that. They they could do and fortunately the headmistress came out and caught them but it was you know it was always under that type of thing you know you're not good enough because you can't do what we do exactly. you know again not celebrating the differences or celebrating people's boundaries or you know uh, their their own challenges it's always got to be you've got to do what the pack does and yeah, how much pack- does pack mentality come into bullying Oh, it's 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 a huge, it's a big time. Uh, I remember when I used to get bullied um, in in school, there were always one or two main bullies in the classroom, and our classrooms were huge. It was like fifty or sixty kids, um, so there were only one or two at the most bullies. But what would happen is something will happen in the playground. Uh, the bullies will start teasing me or start beating me up, and then there will be suddenly a pack of fifty, sixty yeah. kids all in a circle surrounding me and they were all they will all be chanting for the bad guys nobody was there to help mm-hmm. me out it's because for them it is fun yeah. to watch a fight or to watch somebody getting beaten up is it's a big uh, high moment for them i know and we've got so, to change that mentality haven't we yeah i mean yeah and and we are working on it there's lots of um Awareness out there, media is working on it, which is good, which is good. But then again, I, I go back to the families. It has to start from yeah. the family because if kids get some information in the schools, uh, some really good anti-bullying lecture, but they go back home and what they see is themselves getting bullied by their own yeah. parents. It does not change anything. Then. Yeah, I know it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? Um Okay, let's go to the extreme. Let's go to the, you know, the shootings. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> kids going into schools with guns they should never, ever have access to in the first place. Uh, you know, a parent, Jenny, you're looking at a single parent, you know, working and apparently being very loving and responsible. And this kid just going off the rocker and going in there and just obliterating people. I mean, you know, um, they look to the to the root of that child and generally find there's some bullying there. But what takes a child from, you know, being that bullied victim, low self-esteem to becoming a murderous person that can just go in and kill innocents for the sake of it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, as you may know, the studies have shown that all these shooters, they were, in fact, uh, bullied in the schools, mm-hmm. in those schools. And they were the underdogs. They were the victims. Um, the general idea is, oh, they were bullies, mm-hmm. but that's not the case. They were actually victims. They were really good kids, having good grades, um, very quiet kids in the school. Very smart. But mm-hmm. very smart. And most of them, they were called nerds right. because they were smart. And then what happens is, it's just like, uh, I'll go back to my story. When I was 10 year old, um, I got bullied day in and day out in school. And when I would come back, there was nobody yeah. to share my feelings, my pains with, because my parents, 
Um, I, I tried that a couple of times and they will put back the blame on me and they will be like, why don't you grow up? Why don't you stand yeah. up for yourself? Do you and, do and, to and you have, yeah. yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah. You must have done something mm-hmm. wrong. So what happened was I started keeping everything inside me. I bottled down everything inside me. And then one day, I, I remember I was sitting across the dining table and it had a white cloth on it. And with my pencil, I was writing, I want to die. I had these suicidal thoughts at age of 10. So I can imagine what goes on in these uh, shooters' minds. Um, Same thing happens. They go home. They're getting bullied for years and years, and nobody helps them. And and it's not that all the parents are bad. Um, A kid being bullied most of the time, uh, that kid takes the shame and puts on his or her shoulders uh, and, and, and becomes shy and does not want to share that pain with the parents or any other adult because he or she might think inside that they were at fault. And what happens is if they don't get any help for years and years, some kids, some kids, they choose to end their own life and the others who might have a bit more hate in them towards other kids, they'll go out and not only shoot themselves, but take care of some other kids too, or, or, or shoot them too. So that's yeah, what happens. Just, you know, pressure cooker. And you know, let's, let's, let's address exactly. the suicide. I will be doing a show on this actually, um, in, in the near future, um, uh, with somebody who lost her son, uh, 10 years ago. And there mm-hmm. was, there was a, um, an imbalance in, in him emotionally because when one thing I think we forget is that when a kid hits uh, teenage years, that puberty, the chemistry in their body changes so much. And there's a lot of um, you know, irrational thoughts. Uh, there's such extremes going on in their body, which affects the, you know, the whole approach and psyche and everything. Uh, you could have a kid that's always been straight A's. Suddenly they, they, they play out or they start going into drugs or they start mixing with the wrong crowd. And you go, what happened? And it's a, a lot of it is the chemistry mm-hmm. in their body that changes. And as you said, the, the pressure cooker goes and they could end up in extreme measures uh, going out hurting other people or in many, many cases and probably more often committing suicide. But, you know, how much, if you do know this, of the chemistry of the body, as especially as a kid or a teenager, actually plays on that emotional um, person of a bully? Well, it, it plays a huge, uh, huge part, especially coming from my own experience. Uh, what I know is um, all human beings, we go through three cycles of big change mm-hmm. in our lives. First cycle is when a kid is two years old, about two years old. Um, it, it comes all about me, 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 no, 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 all that in uh, yes. terrible twos. <laughs> And then the, (laughs) it is terrible. I I have gone through two daughters, so I know exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second cycle comes when there's adolescence changes. And it could start from nine year, depending upon, uh, depending upon the genes and, and, and how that child is brought up. So it could start from nine to whatever teens. That's where, like you said, there are hormone changes, there are changes in the body, and there's so much pressure internally mm-hmm. already. And on top of that, if you are being bullied, there's so much going on and you're not getting help, any outside yeah. help um, in, in, in both those things. So that can amount to a huge pressure. There's a huge pressure because kid does not know what to do. Uh, he or she should pay attention to the changes in the body or he, sh- he or she should take care of what's going on outside physically in the school life or at home. And then one day it becomes so much, so huge pressure that the kid starts thinking this is it. I mean, it's not going to get mm-hmm. better. I just started my life. This is not going to get better. I might as well just finish or take care of my own life and it is sad it is sad sad i have spoken to um, parents of a couple of children who committed suicide 
and they were all in uh, in, in their teens, thirteen or fourteen. So so right at mm-hmm. that age, adolescence age, and uh, surprisingly, these parents they did not think that the bullying their children were getting was so yeah. bad. They knew there was some some bullying going on. But those kids never told them the exact extent of the bullying also, going on. Oh, don't worry, everybody gets bullied. You'll outgrow it. And they're not taking it seriously. They're not taking it that, A, for a start, we shouldn't have bullying. I mean, that just shouldn't be there. But you, by saying mm-hmm. it's okay, you know, everybody gets bullied, don't worry, you'll outgrow it or you'll, you know, you'll survive. We're actually not paying any, giving any credibility to that child's feelings. You know, the value of self-esteem of self because we're just saying it's okay, you know, you know, you'll stand up to them one day or you'll outgrow it or this or that. We're not paying attention to what it's doing to them in that now. Well, that's 100% true. I I still remember, uh, I think I was 11 or 12 and one day I just got fed up because I was getting beaten up every day in the school. So I came back home and I told my father that this is what's going on. And my father... Being the man he was, tough, um, he said, why don't you just punch mm-hmm. them back? That's yeah. it. He never heard the whole story. He yeah. did not pay attention, did not want to see how I was feeling. He said, just be tough and just just fight back. That's it. That was the end of the story. Yeah, and, and you know, of course, that's the answer, isn't it? You know, uh, you know, a fist on fist, and that will take care of it. And, um, you know, uh, my, my own daughter was uh, bullied at uh, middle school. And uh, there was a smoking pit, and of course she, you know, she wrote a, a whole song on anti-smoking. Went to middle school, and of course started smoking. Uh, you know, kids, um, and she used to go to this yeah. uh, smoking pit, and um, she was always a child that was very kind of, you know, very gregarious and out there, but li- liked a lot to be within herself because she was always, you know, um, in mind, in creation, uh, in thought, and she didn't need to have to be around, you know, the gossipy pack all the time. And so they decided that she was a snob. And uh, they started bullying and attacking her. And this would be, you know, pushing her in the bathroom stall, pushing her up against the walls, pushing her up against the lockers, you know, doing anything they could to undermine her. And she started becoming sick and not going to school. And I'd learned later that she'd leave her window open all night so that she'd get a chill so that she was too ill to go to school. Um, we wanted to oh. intervene and she wouldn't let us because she said, if you do that, they're just going to bully me more. Uh, we wanted to go to the school and address it, and she begged us not to. But we watched her and gave her empowerment, um, you know, to, to standing up, don't let this affect you, it's them. Many years later, she ran across these girls once everybody had left school. And the one girl came up to me and said, you know, I am so sorry for what I did to you, and I have such admiration for your courage because you never gave in to us. And it gave her that validation mm. that she had stood up for herself and she hadn't given in. And, you know, and the fact that this woman, this girl admitted to being a bully. Um, and it was something that uh, she did get, but not everybody gets that. That brings me to the next question. What about the person that is bullied into bullying? How do they, you know, they've become the bullier because they were bullied into doing this. Is it a different mindset from the person that's the, the bully leader of the pack? Yes, it is. It is. Because the person who has become a bully because um, he or she was bullied by someone else, it is for them, it is a matter of survival. And again, it goes back to that fear. It's fear for their life. They are afraid of losing their own life. They are afraid they come to a point where they see that if they don't stand up for themselves, um, either they will kill themselves or somebody else yeah. will kill them. And that's when they just rise up. And even though it's, it's, it's not right. I mean, it, it's a negative reaction. Um, and they become bullies because that's what they have seen that if I become a bully, I will be safe. Yes. I won't get bullied. So yeah. that's what happens. Exactly, exactly, and and again, it's it, it just depends on the kid, on the child. If that child is passive, most likely that child will become a victim. 
But then again, if that child has a little bit of aggressiveness and he just had it with bullying, ongoing bullying, uh, he or she will say, okay, forget it. This is it. The only chance to survive for me is to beat up on yeah. other kids. And that's what happens. And that's what they become. Yeah, very sad, isn't it? Okay. Now, what about this? Does a bully become remorseful? And, you know, like when? I mean, as in the case of these people 40 years later. But, you know, Hmm. do they wake up one day and realize, you know, I was a bully and I'm remorseful? Is it something they carry too much shame on and they don't want to recognize it? You know, is there remorse in a lot of bullies? Uh, another great question. Um, there are different categories. Um, I'm writing that book, uh, The Bully Mind, and I have interviewed a few former bullies. Matter of fact, one of them, he is into his 40s, and he used to be white supremacist, a neo-Nazi. That he was real, real, real <laughs> mean, mean bully. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And he changed his life around. Now he has a website and he's helping other uh, teens and young people uh, to not become bullies. And then I asked him, okay, what happened? Like suddenly what went on? Like how did you change? You were so hardcore bully yourself. So what made you change? And the answer he gave me was just, it just brought tears to my eyes. He said, as soon as he held his newborn child in his hands. He saw so much love in that child's eyes that that moment just changed him. It made him realize how much pain he was inflicting in innocent children or innocent kids around him. And what would happen one day, that to them. if some yeah. bully comes and does the same thing to his child. So that moment changed, changed him. And then, uh, and then there are some who are, who, who don't even have mm-hmm. kids or who are not uh, old enough. What happens for them is once they come out of that survival mode, uh, the, the survival mode where they had to be bullied, to keep their um, their heads out of the water. Once they come out of that phase, once they feel that they don't need to bully anymore, or let's say they come out of schools or colleges and they don't have any other kids around them and they don't need to beat them to uh, to be safe, sometimes that makes them change too. And other times it's just um, one of those moments when they see something on the TV, once they see some kid uh, committing suicide, it's just, it's just lights that bulb in their mind and holy cow, I was doing the same thing to other kids. And for some people, the bullying changes. They become bosses and they start bullying their staff, Uh, you know, or their co-workers. And all it does (laughs) is it transfers into something else because they haven't got down to the core or the root of the problem. And so, therefore, they just transfer it into something else. So how do you stand up to a bully? What do we do to stop them? Oh, another great question. It depends what uh, what stage of um, what stage are you in? If you are a child, it's easy to stand up to another child uh, bully. But like you said, if you are in a workplace and you have become an adult and there's another adult bully, there, there are different scenarios. Tackling an adult bully is harder than tackling a young uh, kid or a child bully. Because when when a bully is young, um, it's not bullying is not hard-coded in their brain. It's easy to wipe that. It's easy to erase that and make them realize uh, what wrong they're doing to other kids. So what I teach... Um, other uh, kids in my seminars, it's just three words. Uh, matter of fact, there are six words, but I uh, start with the three words. It's just saying uh, no, don't, stop, 
uh, those kind of words and saying them with um, with the confidence, building up the self-confidence in that kid who is being victimized. And it's just standing up to them. It's just standing tall with confidence, looking into their eyes and just telling them, I'm not going to take this anymore. And I'm not. Yeah. And, and it just depends on the yeah. tone, what kind of tone they have and what kind of words they, they use. And I'm not to sound conviction. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it has to be a command, commanding yeah. voice and the bully. A hundred percent sure. Once they see that kid coming out with the confidence and that much self-esteem and owning their voice, they're not going to mess around with that kid. Yeah. They just go on to somebody because else. Exactly, because the worst feeling or worst fear a bully has is somebody standing up to him or her. Because inside, remember, they are just being little children. They are inside, they are scared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. So it's all about just standing up to, um, standing up to the bully. And again, it could be in the, in the workplace too. It just depends, uh, what kind of bully you have. And, and I have seen some adults and matter of fact, I have done it myself in the past, just uh, owning my own voice and confidence and standing up and just saying, man, this is enough. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna take it anymore and you need to stop it. Uh, either you stop it or this is it. We're not gonna be working together. And I think, and I think just that's the thing that you have to look at in your life. Um, if it's a job, you, oh, but if I leave this job, I won't get another. Or, you know, like, uh, you know, I've, I've had this sexual harassment. Um, I lived in South Africa for 11 years, right in the 70s, and it was the, you know, the peak, really, of, um, you know, the, the male sexual, and this before it became kind of, quote, fashionable or, you know, noticed the, the sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, but I went through it quite a lot, and that is bullying, that sexual harassment. Um, you know, I actually lost a job because I refused. And, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. and But for me, it was, that's fine. I'm going to walk away because, you know, I'm certainly not going to be doing anything to, to keep my job on that level at all. Um, but it's being prepared to walk away. It's being prepared to say, no, my life, my psyche, my value, my self-worth is higher and bigger than this job or bigger than my marriage or bigger than friends that are bullying and do not respect me and that I'm willing to walk away and start all over again if I, I have to. Exactly. And it it goes back to, um, I call it uh, disempowering beliefs, like all of us. We have some kind of beliefs which have been en- engraved in our minds uh, through our society or parents. And most of the kids I come across, I ask them, when you get bullied, what comes to your mind? When somebody tells you you cannot do these things right, what comes to your mind? And most of them say, I feel hurt. And at the same time, I say to myself, I am not mm-hmm. good enough. So I say, okay, what about if you can change that belief with I am good enough, I am unique, what would happen? And I just tell them to say it a couple of times in their mind, and I tell them, okay, how do you feel now? And they're like, whoa, this is amazing. I feel good. Like, I don't have to please everyone. I am unique. I don't have to be perfect all the time. And as soon as they start working on that belief, as soon as they break uh break down that disempowering belief there's a huge shift i see a huge shift in their self-confidence self-esteem and it's amazing and, and you're right it just goes back to what yeah. we believe what we start we, believing yeah, oh if patterns. i if yeah, i leave this our belief patterns and what they're doing you know and we have to break those cycles by looking understanding what our beliefs are and we can change those beliefs True. We have to reword, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. and we actually have to speak it out loud. We have to think it out loud, mm-hmm. and we need to re-dialogue uh, from the inside out in order to change that belief pattern into something new. Um, you know the four agreements, True. which I think is a wonderful code for people to live by. And, you know, that is speak your mm-hmm. word with integrity. Just speak your truth, not what you think people want to hear from you, but from truly and honestly what comes from you. Uh, don't take things personally. If somebody's on the attack, it's their gripe and they're imposing it on you. Don't take it personally. Uh, never assume. Assumption is a killer. It leads to judgment. It leads to, you know, betrayal. It leads to 
so much trouble. So don't assume. Get the facts first. Ask. Um, then, then simply, just simply do your best. And your best has to come from your own consciousness, your own heart. Did I give it all I had to give today? And that's all you need mm-hmm, to do. Mm-hmm. And I think an awful lot of bullying comes from this judgment and this assumption and this expectation from other people to be like, you know, the pack mentality. You've got to join us or you're against us. And we need to start embracing you. Yeah, I've, exactly. And it's it's like you said, it's about judgment. Um, there is uh, something I learned from my mentor and it's called it is WWTT. What would they think? Most of us believe in that. And, and if somebody passes on a judgment about us, we start believing that just subconsciously. Oh, maybe he or she is right. Yeah, I'm not good enough. We've all been through that. We all go through that question. Oh, it's always a <laughs> yeah. challenge. And when you get to, when you finally it get is, to that point is, is uh, I don't know what the abbreviation is, but I don't give a damn. <laughs> you can change channels. You can stop speaking to me. You do not have to interact with me. That's your prerogative. I won't take it personally. But I'm going. And that is your true. Yeah. It is not my true. Exactly. So you know, you, you don't waste your time with people who are not willing to see you or embrace you for who you are. Um, you know, they'll find somebody else that you know that they can speak to or hear with but you know be true to who you are always and do not bend to somebody else's will because then you'll be not true to who you are exactly it's all about being mm-hmm. authentic just being open and come out with with what are you feeling at that moment instead of say something or sugarcoat something just to please someone and else for a lot of people finding that self-love is something that's very hard to do but when you start honoring who you are uh, your own convictions, your own integrity, uh, you know, leading yourself down the road to your own authenticity. You will actually from from that authenticness comes your self-love. Don't go straight to the self-love because it could be a hard one if you've been bullied. It's a journey that you need to take. So start living in that authenticness of self and embracing your value, living up to your worth set by your standards. Then you will find that love of self will come into play. We're running out of time here. So will you please tell everybody how they can get hold of you, your site, your blog, uh, you know, speaking engagements, you know, lay it out there. Sure, I was. Just, I just started. I was. I know, so and I was gone already. It's amazing. <laughs> we'll have you back on a roundtable forum. I promise, because this discussion is not over. For sure. Um, before I leave, um, I want to tell all the listeners that I do have a website, and it is uh, bothsidesofbullying.com. B O T H S I D E S O F bullying.com and there's tons and tons of um, helpful information regarding bullying and how parents and kids can um, equip themselves with the tools I provide and go out there the next day and use those tools uh, to be bully proof. Um, I also do seminars and boot camp and I don't, and uh, I think it, it will be Late, uh, when this, uh, radio show is airing, uh, my first boot camp, one day boot camp, uh, is coming on July 13th, but I will have another one later on. And in that, uh, anti-bullying boot camp, it's very interactive boot camp, immersive. Um, I talk to, uh, kids and parents about all the family values and how we can um, develop a safe environment in our homes where our kids feel safe and they they share their pains, their sorrows, their sufferings, their joys with us. Uh, and, and by sharing that, how they can improve their self-confidence and how they can own their voice and become bullyproof um, in this uh, in this fastly growing technology-driven um, world and so society. So serving themselves uh, and serving society. So that is exactly, wonderful. Well, as I said, exactly. I'm definitely having you back again on the Roundtable Forum because this is, discussion is not over. It definitely needs to be addressed again. But I thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's definitely a very, very valuable conversation and so needs to be heard. So thank you so much for the hour.
Well, thank you very much once again, Sarah. That was uh, that was amazing. Uh, I was just having so much fun, and I'm 100% sure all your listeners um, have learned a lots of valuable um, stuff from our talk. And I would love to come back uh, and talk well, more about fantastic. it. Fantastic! Thank you very much, Levin. Signing up. For today.